You can see my award-winning climate comedy show spoilers at a festival near you, provided you live near or are going to McHuncliffe or Wells Comedy Festivals. More dates added soon near you, conceivably, who knows what might happen. And if you are at Mac, come and see ComCom Redacted live at 4pm on the Saturday. Go to stuartgoldsmith.com and click the very attractive banner image to find out more. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is a podcast from comedianscomedian.com. This is the Comedian's Comedian Podcast. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm Stuart Goldsmith and in an episode recorded at the Place Hotels on York Place in Edinburgh. And I want to give a quick mention to them because uh, not only are they a lovely hotel, they very kindly allowed me to record some episodes there. Uh, I've got uh, episodes coming up with Carmen Lynch and Chris Gethard and one or two more besides that the people at the Place Hotel on York Place in Edinburgh were very kind enough to uh, allow me a bit of space to record there. So thanks for them. Uh, I think they're slightly beyond my budget. I mean, you might get some, you might get a deal on late rooms, um, but uh, uh, certainly if you're one of my more high-rolling listeners, uh, then you should check that place out. When I, went to, to, when I went there to record the Bill Burr episode, I got a bloody sweet. It was amazing. He didn't bat an eyelid, of course. Bill, as I'm sure, used to uh, uh, highfalutin' places like that. So uh, this one recorded at the Place Hotel, so thank you very much to them. This is the fabulous Loyesu Gola, a South African comedian. He has his own show. Um, we'll be finding out uh, why he has his own show, don't we all? He's got his own TV show, Late Night News in South Africa. Uh, he's been Emmy-nominated in the International Emmys, and uh, we're about to find out why. This is Loyesu Gola. So tell me how the run is going. This, How many times have you been to Edinburgh? I've been to Edinburgh four times. I came the first time. Um, I don't remember the year, but I came just to check it out and do some spots. Okay. Then I came back the next year, did an ensemble show. Well, I'd say ensemble. It was a two-man show. Who was the other comic leader? Dave Levinson. He's from South Africa. Okay. And then I came three years ago to do a one-hour show. And then I'm back to do a, a, another hour show. But the thing is, I didn't, you know, I think the thing about this festival, every time you come here, you learn something new. And even people who've been doing it like for 20 years, um, they, they'll tell you something and you're like, Oh no, I see it. There's always a new thing that's popping up, right? There's always like a, cause I don't think the first, was it when, how long has Free Fringe been around? Uh, maybe 10 years. Right, I think I started about seven, started coming here about okay. six, seven years ago. And so Free Fringe was still a smallish thing. It's bigger now, I think. Yes, yeah. yeah. And also just the idea of how the first festival functions. As if, even like last, the last the three, the three years ago, I had posters everywhere, pretty much, which cost a lot. Yeah. And, um, 
it's pointless to have posters if no one at the festival really know you. Okay. You, right? Yeah, well, I, I've, I've got my feelings about that, but you tell me what you mean. Explain what I mean, you mean like, because that. when people look at a poster, they, they, they kind of like know the person or the people in posters are known people already per se, I would say. So, you know, I think it's way pointless to, I think, I don't know. It's, you know, this is the thing. This, the, the festival is not a science. There could be someone next year who comes and turns everything around by mm. tweaking something that everyone thought they had in, in uh, a ticked in the box, right? Right? Yeah, man. I spent. I've been coming here for a long time, and I, uh, I because of just the way my mind works, I always want to try and identify the system and then try and game the system and do you know what I mean? Learn how to, how you do it. And you're absolutely right. And the more I come here, the more I think to myself, oh yeah, I used to think it was like that, and then someone just does the opposite, yeah. and you go, oh right. Like I, I personally feel about posters. Posters aren't for punters. They're not to get audience members into your show. That's not what they do. Posters are a way, a, a way of telling the comedy industry that you're doing really well because everyone knows how much posters cost. Right. So if you put big, big posters there, when I see a huge poster of someone's face, I think they're being successful because they have enough financial backing to put big posters everywhere. That's a way of telling the industry people. Now, whether I, I don't think that consciously. I have analyzed the way I naturally feel when I see that. Right, okay. Do you know what I mean? It's the same as the, the quality of someone's poster, the quality of the photograph. Right. If it's, if it's lit really well, you're like, whoa, they spent 600 quid on a photographer. You don't notice you're thinking that. Right. But it goes in already. You're like, oh, this like your Like your press shot for this show, Dude, Where's My Lion? Yes. That's an expensive looking photo, right? It was expensive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's, that's a really good, whenever I see that picture, I think this guy is a, he's a professional guy. I get what you're saying. No, I don't think for me it's subconscious. I think for me it's quite like direct. I go, that's a piece of shit, piece of photography or whatever the case, or the artwork is, is a piece of shit. And, but sometimes I, it doesn't, for me, it doesn't correlate with the quality. It might, to me, it might just, it might translate in my brain as he's, he's probably not, doesn't care about that stuff. Oh, when you see someone with a low quality Yeah, poster. picture, right? Because sometimes I've seen people with really good pictures and they are shit. Yeah. And right. So I mean, they, anyone who's got 500 quid can get a decent photograph. Right. So then I, I but I, 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 I'm full, like every time I, I'm aware of, of the quality of the picture and, oh, this is, and sometimes, because I know a lot of acts in New York who like really funny guys and when they promote their specials, they just put a random picture of themselves and they're like, and that it's not an indicator of how good they're doing or anything. Of yes, that I think there's almost, when you're successful enough, yeah. you can do whatever you want. Right. Because everyone already, the brand is already established. Right. So with your, with your image this year and when, when you come to the festival here or when you go to other comedy festivals or wherever, what have you... What decisions are you making? Just while we're talking about posters, what are you trying to tell us with your imagery? It's funny. I didn't listen. I, when I did that photo shoot, I did the photo shoot and I took six posters. I mean, six pictures. We chose six pictures and we, we must, we had, we, we were choosing from 18 pictures, me and this photographer. And I was like, okay, these pictures will probably last me another year and a bit. And whatever. So when, the, when I decided to come to the festival, I thought I was going to do another shoot and I didn't have the time. I just totally missed And I was like, Oh, you need to hand it. And so I was choosing from old uh, pictures, but I, I really wanted to, 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 to do new pictures. So I didn't really get time to think about that stuff. 
I, d- I didn't really get the time to, but I've always want, you know, the, th- the, 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 the thing is even back home, sometimes some people say when they want to do some press and be like, we'll take a pictures while we're doing, and I, I would always refuse. Cause I, cause I'm just like, no, just, I'll send you properly. Yeah. You, you, that's you com- this image control. Pretentious. Yeah. Okay. But just take these pictures. Cause I, just take these ones and some of them will go to Google and find, and it's just like, no, here's yeah. some goddamn pictures. You know, I, because to like, so if you take it slightly seriously, like just, like just the stand up of it and control the way people kind of see you. And, and especially for me, because I, no one knows me in this country. And so if, if I'm, if I am building a persona in a different territory, I have to kind of control that and, and narrate that, right? Because back home now, I, they can put any picture because I've established myself a particular way. So yes. whatever picture they put, they're like, ah, that guy from that thing. Sure. Right? But here you got to go, oh, no, it consistently has to be that. This is – well, let's let's talk about this. So for the, the, the main base of the, the listenership of this show is in the UK. Right. So uh, I always think this is a sort of fascinating dynamic when I'm talking to someone who obviously – like you're a, you're a pretty big deal, right, in South Africa? Yeah, oh, Emmy, yeah. Emmy yeah. nominated? Yeah, yeah. Created your own TV show? Yeah, yeah. So tell us, just for those who don't oh, know you, just um, give us, uh, and you can be as grandiose as you like. I mean, just tell us uh, oh, who, no, I who mean, you we, are. I, um, a couple of years ago, my career was taking off back home. And what was happening is I found myself doing a lot of TV stuff, but I didn't like it. So I decided, let me create, let me go to all these channels who want to have me on TV and pitch to them what I would like to do as opposed to and so I got together a group of friends. I said, let's make the show. It was a political sat- sat- satirical show. I've always wanted to do political satire. And I remember the first time I ever saw political satire was a show by Bill Murr called Politically Incorrect. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I, I saw it, I think, online somewhere. And this must have, this is a long time ago. This is like when the internet is not as accessible. I think it was like 98 or something. Then I saw him on, on, on Oprah talking about this show of his. And then I read a while after that he was canned off TV because of some shit that he said. And I'd always wanted to do a show like that, 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 cause me and my friends, when we were really young, we used to have these political conversations and, and we had, there was no, nothing on TV like that. And I always wanted all these conversations are so interesting. I would like to put this on TV. And, I pitched the show. It was, we called it Late Night News. I don't even know why we called it Late Night News because I guess back home, late night television is like 10 o'clock. <laughs> and we, we ran, we had uh, six years of it. Ran for six years. We shot two seasons a year. And we got two Emmy nominations. We've just submitted now for another international Emmy and hopefully, they usually announce it like in October, and hopefully we'll get another nomination, fingers crossed. And, and, um, and what's the, well, I've never been, I've never done comedy in South Africa. I've, I've right. been there once, but not as a, as a comic. What's the, what's the comedy landscape in South Africa? That is an enormous question, I know. But if you could kind of sketch out for those of us who aren't aware of it, like what, how much kind of comedy is there on TV? How much political satire is there? I think there's more comedians than audience. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. Because, Does that mean there's no audience, or means there's shitloads no, of comedians? There's, there's audience, but what I mean is culturally, right? The society of South Africa doesn't 
consume comedy the way like America and Britain consumes comedy. And this is what I mean. They don't consume comedy like as a Wednesday night kind of thing. Right? So people, it's usually a big event. Right? It's like a, it's like the Olympics per se. Okay. Right? It's like, it's like a big, it's like, so if you're doing, so the club scene is not big, but people can sell out like a, 2000 seater. Do you understand what I mean? I think so, yeah. Because because people still see comedy as a big event. So when you it, it's usually like people dress up and they look really nice and they go watch comedy. Okay. Right? It's like going it's almost like going to the theater per se, like we're going to go watch the ballet so they see comedy that way. Whereas British people and American people see comedy as a Let's go check it out on a Wednesday night. Yeah. A Tuesday night. It's part of life. It's, it's part just... of life. It's okay. not, a, it's not like almost a separate thing. It's not like an event per se. And so, so it's, it's, this is, this is pure. This is not fact. This is what I've noticed. Yeah, sure. Right? Of and so I, I don't want your timeline on, on Twitter being bombarded with people. That's bullshit. <laughs> and so, so that's what I, that's my understanding of it. So the landscape, there's a lot of really talented comedians. Like, really talented. But the thing about South Africa, it's culturally specific, right? In the sense that we have 11 languages in, in, amongst a population of 50 million. And that breaks the country up into tiny little, right? Tiny little um, sections. And so what sometimes kills in one part of the country doesn't. So you have guys who really are doing well in, in certain parts of the country and in certain language and territories, but then they're not necessarily doing well. And it's such a weird thing to be happening in such a small country, right? But I think for the large, for the large part though, there's, there's a lot of really talented guys and I'm excited. I'm excited for it because I think in the next four or five years, there's going to be a lot of acts at this festival and around the world just doing stand-up and people being fascinated by it. And the cool thing about South African acts, I think, is the fact that we totally have an outside perspective into America and, 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 and Britain. I say American Britain because these are the two biggest um, comedy uh, spaces to operate in. Okay. Right. So I think in the next four or five years, it's, it's going to be insane. And we have this perspective of, we understand both cultures. We, we actually do. We understand Britain because we, the British colonized. We understand America because we watch American TV, but we're still African <laughs> in the sense that we, we live there and we, we we speak the language and we in touch with what's happening in 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 South Africa and Africa. Okay. And so when we come here, our perspective is is so brand new to everyone that it's 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 a it's it's it just seems like this. Just think, you, I feel like I've just come from space. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, because when an English person, when an English or British comic uh, interprets America, they're interpreting it interpreting it as an English person. Yeah. Whereas you get to look at both from the outside. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, my show is totally like, even the idea of tipping, right? It's it, for me. It's um, the British people don't really. You don't have a big tipping culture. No. America has a massive. You tip for everything, which is like weird for me because 
Tipping, every, you tip everywhere in America. Like you, you, like someone grabs your luggage, someone um, coat check. Everywhere you're tipping, right? At some point, that cancels begging. Then, <laughs> yeah. okay, you know what I mean. I was thinking that. I was like, well, do something like tap dance. Yeah, okay. Because you, everyone's prepared to pay you small amounts of money, money for any tiny for service. For any tiny thing you do. <laughs> okay, okay. That sort of that kind of negates begging. I don't know. I just thought of that. I just I was like, oh, okay. But I do find that also um every time I go to America and hang out with comics there and and I hang out with British comics, they they isolate each other from them like from they isolate themselves from each other. From do you mean between America and Britain? yeah yeah yeah, and I'm like you guys have so much more in common like there's so there's so much because I play both territories. Right? So what what's your interpretation then of the of the I don't mean the stereotypes, but what's the, what are the differences between the way British and American people do comedy? Because I mean I could obviously the, to me the biggest one is we turn over an hour a year. They've only just started doing that in the states you'd normally, the America's big enough that you can tour the same show for a long time. Yeah, but I think um, Americans are less self-involved with their stand-up. Okay, that's interesting. What, how do you mean? I mean, like, America, like, of late, it's, it's, that's unraveling. They, they, they go for the, the joke. They go for the joke. It's like they, so you have like, a, they, they, tell, they tell actual jokes. Even if they talk about themselves, they get to the joke. Mm-hmm. British people want to tell you something, right? They want to share something. Whereas Americans are like, nah, I'm trying to tell you a fucking joke. And I'm getting to the joke. How was the joke? Whereas British people are like, I'm trying to tell them about my, and it's, it's a bit more involved. This is what I, this is what I, 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 I tend to find. And so when I, when I, like, when I'm doing this festival, I have to make the, the, the jokes and the, and the, and, and the show about myself. Ah, so you tailor your material for a British audience. Well, not necessarily tailor. For instance, like, if I go to America I, and I do something, it'll look observational, right? So I'll say, this is, ob- I'll ob- I've, this is what I've observed. But in Britain, even though I, let's say, even though I find, let's say, okay, let's say you observe something and you talk about it on stage. Now, in America, you can talk about it as an observation. Okay. In Britain, you have to bring it closer to yourself. Okay. And the British people like you more for being, talking about yourself. They want to know you a bit more. They want to yes, like you. Yes, they want to know how you felt about something. Yeah. They yes. want, so that's what I mean. It's a bit more self-involved where Americans are like, was that funny or was that not funny? And the audiences okay. are like that. And also American audiences, American audiences are also open to more subjects. I, th- I find British audiences can flake on you when you're talking about race. Okay. They really don't want to talk about race. And also because I think it's because... Um, they, first of all, British people have told themselves there's no, there's no racism in the, in, in, like, especially London people. I'm, 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 my perspective is only from interacting with London that there's no racism. So when you talk about race, it really freaks them out because it's not a dialogue that's constantly happening in the country. Yes. Right. Whereas in America, there's always a race dialogue happening. So when you do it on stage, it's almost like you're picking up from 
a particular issue and you can even dissect the issue, right? Whereas here you're like, uh, there is racism and, um, yeah, I'm not accusing you personally in the room. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but I'm just saying it, it, it exists and this is what happened. And, and so I find it hard. Like in America, you 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 could like you could. How, how many times have you just heard an acrobat? You white people are full of shit. And American white people would be like, yeah, we are. Just tell us more about it. Whereas, whereas <laughs> if you said that here, British people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right, so... That's what I find as well. So this is Loyesu. Uh, I mean, a really fantastic guy, brilliant comic, loads of great stuff to come. Um, and uh, I, because I don't know where new editor Daryl is going to drop this little bit of uh, blurb in, I don't know whether we've yet had the bit about peeking mischievously into a pot. Uh, it's one of my favourite bits on any episode. So if we have had that, wasn't it great? And if we haven't, oh, you've got that to look forward to. Um, so thanks very much to Loyesu for, uh, for coming along and recording. Thanks again, as I said, to the Place Hotels, very kind of them. Um, and thanks to you for listening. I hope you're enjoying this at the moment. I'm going to do some... I think I might do this on Facebook Live. Um, so if you fancy uh, getting involved with this, then join the Facebook group, the Comedians Comedian Podcast Facebook group, uh, and as well as getting the opportunity to submit your questions for forthcoming guests, uh, such as Maria Bamford, who, all being well, I'm pre-recording this bit, I will be recording possibly right now as this is released on Monday. I'm very excited to be going around uh, Maria Bamford's place in los angeles but if you are part of the facebook uh, group then you can put in your i will frequently say hey i'm interviewing this person and we're really getting a very good class of um of suggested questions so thank you very much to everyone that's contributed but the more specific thing i'm talking about is that i will i think i'm going to use facebook live and have a bit of an experiment with that and basically talk to you about how the podcast is going about whether you're getting what you want from it uh, it's definitely changed over the five, almost five years of its life. Um, and uh, I, I feel like it's got better. And maybe this is a terrible idea. Maybe you should never ask people what they think in case you go, no, no, we want more of this and less of that. But that is exactly what we're going to do. So keep an eye out. Join the Facebook group and keep an eye out on Twitter as well. I think in order to do it on Facebook Live on the Facebook group, I can only do it to people who are members because it is a, a private group to lend it that air of... Uh, Je ne sais quoi, <laughs> clear off <laughs> that uh, that element of fuck off uh, that uh, that it has uh, if it's private. So I'll, I'll look into that. I've basically not thought this through, but it's an idea I had this morning. So it'd be nice to hear back from you. But don't send me emails. I'm going to do that as one organised uh, live video event uh, in order to minimise admin. <laughs> so if you have feedback on the show, generally save it for that. Uh, you can correspond with me info at comedianscomedian.com if you would like to suggest guests for me to interview in future or, or you know talk to me generally that's absolutely fine and remember if you add the ps i'm a cool guy uh, then uh, it means you're allowing me to respond with one word which i cannot tell you how much my tiny family thanks you for those <laughs> so um uh, thank you to everyone all the cool guys and everyone that's been corresponding so we'll get back to Liesu in just a second um so, what was I going to say? Something key. Yes, I'm in LA right now. Uh, if if, uh, if the, the new uh, uploading schedule has worked. And please uh, thank uh, new editor Daryl Smith, who's going to be looking after the editing and uploading of this podcast until he just gives up due to having to sit through uh, hours after hours of my voice talking to him uh, mid-interview and saying things like, oh, God, Daryl, take that bit out. Um... 
and also having to sort of wrangle logs and, and, and all of that stuff. But uh, we've got him for now. So thank you, Daryl, on behalf of all of us. Uh, your help is very much appreciated. Um, so with a bit of luck, he'll be uploading this on Monday and you'll be listening to it shortly afterwards as I am still in uh, in L.A. I'm getting to do all sorts of exciting things there. I'm going to uh, I'm going to do a load of podcasts with people. I'm going to appear on some other people's podcasts, uh, all of which I'll tell you about uh, again in future when they're in the can. Um, and I might even if I pull my finger out, I might try and get another recording while, uh, done while I'm there, uh, as well as the brilliant Maria Bamford and the wonderful Tim Minchin, all of which should be a lot of fun. Um, it's too late now for me to advertise the uh, the live streaming code. I hope you enjoy it and enjoyed it if you live streamed. Possibly you can live stream the event afterwards as well. So try going to LAPodFest.com and entering the discount code COMEDIAN. Um, that gives me a little something. It's lets, lets them know that you're one of my fans. You get a discount. I get a little, uh, a little something, something, a little sugar in my bowl. And uh, and you could try doing that, but uh, do pay attention to the small print just in case it says, hey, don't use this after the event because it only went out live. So there we go. Uh, that's all of that, Admin. I'll chat to you later after the rest of this episode with Loyosu. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Hola. Coming back to that scale of um, getting to the joke or sharing something about yourself, right? Where does South African comedy fit on that scale? What are the differences between South African comedy and well, South African American comedy? And, is fine. and I know, I know, we're talking about enormous. No, no, no. But I'm things. saying that it's it's not. And I would say it's not entirely defined at the moment in that way. So every anything. There's there's all there's all types of acts. There's not like a particular. I'd say at the moment is it's 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 particularly observational. But I, it doesn't have a a, a full fledged definition. Yet. You must remember the country as a whole is on. We only had our democratic elections, nineteen ninety four. That's twenty two years ago. Black people were only allowed to vote twenty two years ago. So we still, there's baby steps yeah. in terms of like taking the whole um, country's humor in, you, and, and, and putting it in a sentence is, is, is a bit premature. I'd say 10 years time, we might have like a, a pretty definitive style of, okay. of humor. And when you were talking before about, um, about the different languages and so that you get guys that smash it in this particular area, um, does everyone have English as a second language? Yeah, 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 yeah. So do you need to have English as a second language to be able to work the whole of the country? Not entirely. You can find your pockets of people everywhere okay. you go because the country is quite, there's a bit of everyone everywhere. But I don't, I don't think you pro, there's a guy though who's touring 
the country and he's doing like 5,000 seats a night uh, for a week. Like he's really doing well, you know, and he speaks a quite, he speaks quite um, one of the minority languages and he's touring like a motherfucker. Okay. It's crazy. Because everywhere he goes, there's enough yeah, of those yeah, people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And those people are a community and they, you know, they support him. And he, you know, Mashabela, he, he just, he is... What, what's his name? Mashabel. Okay. Yeah, and he, man. And I don't know. I mean, I think, I think English helps, but also English, English is also quite limiting. Remember, I, if you speak five languages. Do you? Is that fi- five languages? Is that why you, yeah, well, five? I can speak, I can speak uh, uh, four languages and then I can kind of wing two. Okay. And I can, so I can understand what you're saying and I might not be able to have a very fluent conversation with you. Okay. Sorry. But, but I think that, no, 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 it's okay. But I do think that, um, the, the, in South Africa, the language thing is, is a gift and a curse. A, a curse because it's quite limiting sometimes if you're performing in one language, like especially English, and you're trying to articulate something to a person who doesn't speak that language and, you have to use that particular language, and in that using that particular language, you might use might lose a portion of the the audience because they don't understand what the fuck you're talking about. Okay, a, a a gift because that's well that was a curse. The gift is what the reason I am easily able to adapt between America and Britain is because I adapt between about nine cultures each single time. Okay. I, I travel from one place to another. Okay. And it's like a two-hour drive, and I'm in a totally different place. Not necessarily too vast of a difference, but a, a cultural la- a, a barrier and a language barrier. And I kind of don't know, you know, they speak very different. Like I, Pretoria, they speak, uh, a lot of the guys, they speak Tswana Afrikaans, and... um they have their own slang. They have their own heroes. It's like, it's like, a, you know what I mean? It's quite, it's quite particular. So you can't take the exact same. You have to, you have to accommodate them a little bit, not too much, but a little bit. And you go to Cape Town and that's, that changes dynamic. You go to Guazul Natal, you change that. That's, a, that's a totally different dynamic. So you could drag someone who's from, um, you can make fun of someone who's, a joke that kills about someone who's from a different part. When you go to their part of the world, you got to find another person that they're going to laugh at because yeah, they okay. might like that person that much. Yeah, sure. Do you work in, in other languages other than English? Which Do you work in all of your other languages? I've done it, but it's not the guys who are better than me in that particular language. And that is... But I, I, it's, it's so crazy because we're, we're planning a tour in October where we're just going to do a Kosa tour where we're just going to speak a language. There's five Kosa comedians. Wow. And I, I, I mean, we've, there've been Kosa shows where I've been hosting and, and maybe headlined and stuff, but I think that, uh, it's time, man. It's cool. That's, it's the, like, and that's yeah. the first, but one, also, the first comedy tour in, in, no, it wouldn't be the first comedy tour. It, it, in that language, I mean, with no, all no, 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 no. There's, there's guys who, who, who do, who do, who, who do, but you must remember you think in languages. And so you, ha- it's important to, pro- it's, it's almost very important to think in the language you perform in. Okay. Otherwise you, it's like currency, right? So what happens when people 
travel. You travel with your own currency and you get to that place and you convert every time. Okay. So it seems like a, it's, so you never enjoy what you buy. Like, oh, it costs so much, yeah. so much, <laughs> right? Okay. And so that happens, the, the same thing happens when you are doing stand-up and you're not thinking in that language that you're performing. And so you, let's say you're French, but you perform in English. You're thinking in French. So you're converting every single time. So you never, the joke, the joke that you do never reaches its full potential because you just don't think in that language. So even if you have the perfect joke, you will never deliver it the way. It's, it's bizarre, right? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I don't have any other languages. I'm uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, a, a shameful Brit like so the rest for, of us. So for me, the reason I haven't really been discouraged to, to tour in my own language, I don't think I think in my own language. I think in English because I was taught in an English school. And so I think in English. Every, every, every learning I've learned was, has been in English. So therefore, but I can speak my language fluently. Uh, but if you give me, if you, if, if I'm thinking of an idea, I'm thinking purely in English. That's nuts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I'm glad you think that's nuts as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, it's, it is a, it is a, a challenge. So for me to do the joke, uh, jokes in, in class, I have to write the jokes in class. I can't convert my English jokes. Okay. I can't. You try. I, I, yeah, I can, but they're not going to be as good as the stuff that I would think of it in my, cause in my language, there's a context, there's a, there's nuances, there's, you know, there's a world I can paint. But if I just, if I'm just copying and pasting, but in a different language or translating, it just doesn't do it justice. It's funny, but it's not what I want to, put out there and is that when you say the context is that because if you imagine a joke that is that is i'm trying i'm trying to think of a a joke now as an example but if you imagine a joke that is uh about seeing a funny thing happen Mm -hmm. like seeing someone run for a train and and miss the train right is that not can you not create enough of that context that it would work in a different language is there is there such a thing do you think as as a universal joke or does the context always demand well, I mean, it depends how you remember that the the construction of a joke is also not as simple as just telling the joke. And this is what I mean. I mean, like, if a person is missing the bus and train the bus, who's telling the story? Number one, are you telling the story from the person who's missing the bus? Are you telling from the observer? You, Where is the observer? Are they on the bus? bus? Are they in the yeah. Street? So yeah. there's so many things to think of before you even utter that joke, right? So. It, it it all dep- like it, in terms of translating in language because I haven't done it enough. I, I I I might not have the answer. I might not have the answer for this question you just posed on me. But I do think that if I think the joke in English, if I see this thing and my brain computes it, and also you must remember the language language also comes with a culture, right? So if in this language I'm thinking in, there is um. A cultural, like there's certain things if in my, in, 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 in a closer person will not do or say or when I, in their mind, you understand what I'm saying? I think so. Yeah. Go, go on. So, this is so I'm, I'm trying, I'm trying to articulate this best way possible. So as a closer person, I would go, I would imagine this joke being told to another closer person and then culturally there are things that me and him get. Yes. A lot of nuances. Yes, because you can't imagine telling a Kosa joke 
to uh, someone who speaks English. Right. Because, yeah, okay, I understand. So I got to meet them halfway somehow. So what, what language, then also there's a culture embedded in it. The same with if, if you're Portuguese, you know, there's certain, you know, things that you're like, you know. <laughs> I, I, I think I know what you mean. Can, you, can I push you to give us an example? I'm trying a, to think of an example. Um, you must remember like there's words. So there's, a, there's words that describe particular things. Like for instance, in Kosa, there's a word for peeking at a pot mischievously <laughs> right so if you if, if your mom if you know what i mean like are you looking inside it yeah okay to see what's it like your mom's cooking something right and you, you're not allowed to an, know what it is and you look inside it there's okay. a word for that what is that word okay do you understand what i'm saying <laughs> yeah 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 so you kind of like you're playing peekaboo with the pot yeah that's see and the, so there's certain situations that have particular words I see what you mean. And so in English, you would have to articulate that in a sentence where in Kosa, you can use one word. Yes. And so it's... it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's So a, I crept up upon this girl yes. with the mischievous quality that one might look when peeking in, one mother's, in one's mother's pot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I somethinged her. Yeah. Yes. And <laughs> okay. so, 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 so um, yeah. And also because culturally, I don't know. I mean, it's not a biggie, but you, uh, do you then... Um, my, like my mom would be upset if she caught me doing that. Okay. Where in other cultures, it's not an issue at all. Yeah. Why would she be upset? I don't know. It's just like a thing. It's like taking pride of it's your kitchen. You own it. Oh, this I is your see, thing. I don't see. fuck around. I'll, I'll, That's a really good example. Yeah. Right. So I don't. I mean, I don't know. I mean, this is this is also. I'm I'm thinking of this example as I, as 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 I'm as I'm as I'm going. So I'm saying all these nuances have to be articulated. Yes. <laughs> To make the joke a thing. Okay, okay. You've done how many hour-long shows? How many specials? Like festival shows? I've done three specials back home. Okay. Um, three hours. Which, for, the writing of those are, is quite strange, man. Go on. Specials. Because. When you, say, when you say specials, do you mean for TV? Or you mean like. An hour-long show, or a, a long hour. A show, just, a, show. just an hour. Yeah, show. this is a Ronnie Chang thing. You call everything a special. <laughs> oh no, this no, is... I don't even. I, I never used to even call it a special until you know you start seeing other people and they say special. Exactly, that's what and I mean. I, like, I think Ronnie Chang is at the forefront of regarding it like you don't write Edinburgh shows. No one knows what like globally. No one knows what an Edinburgh show right, is. Right, right, right. Special, right. And then special, it, it also yeah. connotes an hour and television. Right, yeah. right, right, yeah, right. Yeah, it's an not? hour. You just, you did an hour. So the writing of the three specials was quite funny. You said. Yeah, I I just did a special back home that I put out and it's going to go, yeah, it's going to play on TV soon and I put it out on DVD and all that kind of stuff. But I do find that the hardest thing, the hardest thing is to put out a special, like an hour worth of material, and then you have like maybe 15 minutes of stuff that kind of works. And then you you're on stage and you're like, fuck, I've got so much funny stuff that I've just burnt. Yes. That I really cannot use under any circumstance. I cannot use this. I, I mean, listen, the, I, I do do a lot of the stuff that I put on my specials on, on, on the shows that I do 
here in Edinburgh because I, the people haven't heard it here. But mm. back home, I, I just refuse. I just go, I'll, I'll work it on stage until it comes right. Okay. So I'll, I, I, I have these ideas and I, and I, and I grind them. Talk to me about grinding them. What does that I, mean? I, I try to make them work and I, and sometimes there's a lot of ways to make them work. You can link them to another bit that you have. You could try tell it from a different angle. You could try animate all the characters, but I try to make the bit work. And what I learned very early from stand up was you got to find it funny first. So if you, cause I someone said to me, you got to find, if you find it funny, that's enough. Because if you believe the idea is funny, then you can try make it work and you, and, 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 and it can be funny. But if you write stuff because you think the audience is going to find it funny, then you, you, you put yourself on the back foot because now you don't know what to fix because you don't know what they're going to find funny, right? You don't go, Oh, you just go, I really think this is funny or, or ironic. How do I then communicate this idea to these people until they get it? Do I add another character? Do I, do I impose? I don't know. You find various techniques to, to tell, to tell bits. And so when I start writing, what I do is before I release a special, I make sure, first of all, I, I, I heard Chris Rock do this. And I said, that's, a, that I have to do this. You have to, he says he, he, when he drops a special, he has 30 minutes waiting on the other side of other material. Okay. So he's already written like another 30. And so that's what I do. Oh, so when you burn it, I see when you drop it, when you burn it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're not burning it. You're not burning yourself back to zero. Ever. No. Yeah, okay, okay. So like right now, I've got an hour. Now, here's, this is what's happening in my life right now. I've got an hour now that I'm doing in Britain. And then I go back home to get a visa. And then I'm going to New York to shoot a special. My first sort of international release special. So on the 28th of September, I'm shooting a special for Vimeo. Okay. Hey, great. But they've, they've never done a comedy special before. So I'm their first comedy special ever. Okay. And it's such a bizarre platform. I was like, because they do films and short stuff and quite edgy stuff. And they saw me do some stand up, like, oh, that's some edgy stuff per se. And they were like, okay, cool. We'd like to put you. And I was like, but you don't do stand up. They're like, just fucking come. And so I'm doing a special in New York on, I'm doing a special in New York on the 28th. Now, I don't think I'm going to do the same show I did in Edinburgh. I think I have to either compile a new show mm-hmm. or I don't know. I think I just have to compile a new show. I don't yeah, think cause I, you don't want to be doing on your first ever Vimeo, Vimeo's first comedy. You don't want there to be anything on it that anyone can see somewhere else. Not necessarily. I mean, the the stuff that uh, that's out is in that's out in South Africa doesn't affect them because it doesn't reach the world. Okay, but I do think that um, the audience in in America and the audience in Britain, especially the fringe audience, are two very vast different. And I'm shooting this in Brooklyn, and so this this it, it, not even. In, in Bushwick, Bushwick, Brooklyn? Anyway, Bushwick, yeah. We're shooting it in, in, in Bushwick. And um, these are two vast audiences. Vastly, vastly, vastly different audiences. And so I have to get to America and in a week 
figure out a new show for the American audience. Even if it's the same material, it has to be performed very differently. Yes. Have you got warm-ups over there? I don't do warm-ups. Like you're not going to run in the material. You're just going to... Oh, you mean warm-ups? Yeah, your warm-ups for the show. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think I'm. I think I got two. I got two warm up like non-recorded spots. kind of ones. Where yeah, you yeah, yeah. Where I just work out. But I've done. I actually feel more comfortable doing an hour than ten minutes, mm-hmm. which is a crazy thing. I because an hour you can win people over. Yep. I think like forty minutes into your show, sometimes you you go. People are, are usually like, "We're down with whatever you have to say. We trust you so much." Because you've worn them over in like 40 minutes, right? Yeah, yeah. And I think like the 40 minute mark is like the time where you're like, okay, cool, let's do it. Let's, let me take you to all these weird places that I want to okay, go Okay, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, because they, unless you haven't gotten them at all and then you're like, ah, oh, fuck. It's 40 minutes. <laughs> Another 20 of this. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, so, <laughs> and so for me, it's, um, it's, it, it's incredibly, it's incredibly, um, important that i do a a different show for them especially for vimeo as well it's their first special and it has to be like it has to be it has to it has it has to have a little bit of edge i don't know where i'm gonna find the edge i'll have to dig deep i don't know what that even means (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna ask you what you meant what like because it what because it's brooklyn because it's America, because you need to be more, you need to be doing stuff that's relatable to them in a different kind of way. What, what sort of, what, what do you mean? You I need to tell, I need to tell my, I need to, I have these ideas. I don't, I mean, I haven't have them fully fledged yet. Like in terms of the, I, so I've, I have, I have these ideas and these thoughts that I want to share, but they're quite complicated to turn into stand up. Mm-hmm. And I was in Paris like for, three, four weeks ago. And I was, do- I did this bit for the first time and it really worked. And it, it was like, a, I wish I could tell you the bit, but it's, I'm still working on it and I just want to burn it. But it's, it's, it talks about um, colonialism. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. I talked, I, I speak about, I spoke about um, a friend, me and a friend of mine were discussing this. Um, he, we're talking about black history. Now, black history is a weird thing that gets discussed, right? Because black history is the only history that only gets discussed in 500 years. The only black history we ever, ever discuss is 500 years, right? Which is a crazy thing to think that every other history in the world gets discussed in 6,000, 4,000, 8,000 years. Okay, okay, I see what you mean, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so if you look at black history in, in 500 years... It's fucking horrendous, right? But if you look at it in 2,000 years, it's not that bad. Do you know what I mean? When you start looking at history then in 5,000 years, you start realizing that everybody has had a shit time in history. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. And when you start realizing that everyone has had a shit time in history, you therefore start realizing that black people are the only people in the history of mankind to sort out their situation in 500 years. <laughs> okay, that's a good angle. <laughs> no, but it's not, it's, it's not even an angle, it's the truth. Yeah, right, okay. And so then if you start looking at history like that, uh-huh. you therefore start appreciating yourself more. Because I even, I don't know, I mean, I don't know when you watch my show, but the, the, my shows at the moment are 
a lot about self-identity mm. and this idea that your identity has been described a particular way. Like in the show now, I have this bit about where in school, all I was ever taught about myself is that I was a hunter-gatherer. That's yeah. it. <laughs> That's it, you know? And I'm just like, oh shit, this is weird. Because what does that do to me as a 30-year-old person? Does that give me confidence like now? You know what I mean? Because all you ever know about yourself is that you're a slave or a hunter-gatherer. And you're like, yeah, but what was I doing 2,000 years from ago? That's more, you know what I mean? Don't talk to me about me 500 years. Talk to me about what I was doing 2,000. Then when you start talking about black history in 2,000 years, you therefore then start realizing Timbuktu fucking start talking about the pyramids. Which are weird things because what happens with the pyramids is that people reviews that the Egyptians built the fucking pyramids. Like, oh, these aliens. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> so you're telling me these aliens came from wherever the fuck they came from, built these things, and then drew the people from there. No, you know what I mean? So it's so these are like weird issues that I want to talk about okay. on stand-up, but they're so like intense and... It's yeah, that, that's quite like a, it's a big sweep of information that you need to get them on board with, right? But then it, the way people consume things sometimes, it's not like the way people see history is in, in, in the way they consume history is. We have to be on the same page for me to do that joke. I like I find it weird trying to get people to learn things in stand up. Because we, the, for stand-up to work properly, it, we almost have to be on the same page. Yes. Right? Yes. And so we have a, 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 a same default. And so when you introducing ideas to people, not necessarily like funny ideas, life ideas to people, it becomes an extremely complicated thing. Because people are like, fucking hell, that was, that was true and heavy and da 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 Is that, I don't, do you know what I mean? Yeah, because that feeling interrupts the laugh. It, it totally interrupts the laugh. And so sometimes I, I'm like, yo, you got to be heavy and edgy. And, and you're like, nah, it fucking confuses the shit out of people. <laughs> Think of like if I did this bit of now on stage or even how do I place this bit on stage? Right. How do how do how do I do it? So this is what I try to do. I try to to get to that stage where I can turn this bit of material that is complicated and 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 make it a bit that's accessible to anyone yeah like a, a 18 year old recently uh, graduated high school student can go oh shit i get that yes and that's the hardest thing with stand-up so i try to always push myself before i used to do very observational stuff which i still do but i of late i've been really <laughs> Uh, and maybe also because I spend a lot of time in Britain really talking about myself way more. Yes. Okay. Okay. Which is something that I've picked up in Britain. So what would you say of the show that you're doing here at the Fringe this year, which, because there's some really good observational stuff in there. There's, you know, Wi-Fi airports and you know what I mean? There's, right. There's, there's, there's like really good kind of... I think of it as like nuts and bolts stand up. Right. And I don't mean it's boring. No, you know no, what I mean? No, I was just sure. like, there we go. Bang. That works. That works. That works. We're with you. This, you can imagine that working 2000 people. We all get it. Right. So what for you is the kind of the trickier stuff in, in this current hour that you're doing that is, that is the more personal stuff? Um, I think when I talk, I, when I talk about growing up, 
And uh, the funny thing is, when I talk about growing up, it's cool because I, I talk about growing up during apartheid and I kind of, and that subject kind of makes people lean back a little bit. Absolutely. And I do acknowledge that British people get really uncomfortable when you talk about race and colonialism and da 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 da. And so what I do is, I have jokes about their reactions to it now. Yes. Right? And so everything that makes you uncomfortable, I have a joke about why it makes you uncomfortable. So I've tapped into their subconscious. And so when they go, I'm going to burn this bit. Anyway, so I go, I don't know if you saw me doing this. I I, I talk about the begging dude mm-hmm. and where he's like, he doesn't want to, he'd rather be in London begging than be in Africa. And everyone is uncomfortable about that. Then I'm like, yeah, but that's that's the honest truth amongst everyone in this room. Would you rather be me in fucking Rwanda? No, you don't want to be there. You'd rather be here. No matter how bad you have it here, you're like, fuck that, I'm not going there. That's one. <laughs> then I go, you're uncomfortable about that because you think you're pound a day. Because you saw an advert that says a pound a day you can feed an African. Yeah, yeah. You fucking can't. <laughs> <laughs> you can't feed an African a day. You know what I mean? And then I, and then it has, it, it has another, because that gets a, a biggish laugh, a biggish laugh. And I, and then I go, if you really want to help Africa, cancel the debt and give us back our gold. And then it just goes, who? And then you go, you've tackled, you not, you didn't allow them to dwell in their uncomfortable space. Yes. Right. You dragged them out of it. You really did. And you, you, you scrutinize why they were uncomfortable and you kind of, Come on, come on then. And then you, and then it works because, because comedy is tapping into the subconscious and, and a great deal of, there's a great deal of resonance that, that happens. So when you go to the audience, you are not helping. He's like, yeah, well, fuck, I, I really, I'm really not fucking, I'm fucking helping. And so you drag, you, you really drag them out of their comfort zone, which I find fun. So with the political content of your act, with the more political, with the satire, do you find, and I say this, I'm not, I'm not at all a political comedian. I feel like one of the reasons that I'm not a political comedian is I don't know how to fix things. So I feel like if you're going to be, and this is a preconception, I'm probably wrong, but I feel like as, as a political comedian, it would be my duty to suggest something better than what we have. When you're doing your political kind of stuff, do you feel any responsibility like that? Can you simply attack the existing system or do you feel like you need to no, present I, I, alternatives? Not entirely. I, no, 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 no. You can be upset about something and not have an... A, 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 you could just be like, this is fucked up and you might not have an alternative, but you'd be like, but this here is not working. <laughs> I don't... No, I don't... I, I, and also... I, no, I wouldn't want to be involved in politics in that way. I think what I do is speaking about the, the issues and making people get out of their comfort zone when I talk about this, these issues. I think for me, it could be enough. Personally, I don't, I don't feel I should go beyond that. And with the, with the show, when you do late night news, right. do you feel, well, how does that fit into that kind of answer? Do you feel like, because that is explicitly a satirical show. If you look at something like what John Oliver is doing right. in the States at the moment, right. Where he's kind of going, this he's really zeroing in right. on this is an issue. This is why it's a problem. And then he, I mean, I don't know that he'll he'll posit a genuine solution, but he might posit a comic solution. Right. 
Yeah, but I don't know. I, 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 I still don't. I mean, also, I'm just trying to think. I don't know what the the policemen in America should do going forward because I, I, I don't know, right? But I do know they should stop shooting unarmed black people. That's what I fucking... I don't need to... You know, Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, yeah. I don't... I don't think um, that... Yeah, I, 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 I mean, I, if you look at... Um, I don't know if you are aware of Felakuti. Felakuti was a, a huge Nigerian act and he got involved in politics and shit went pear-shaped. I don't know that. What, can you film? me? He was a it? huge act. He was... I, I definitely heard the name, but... I no, fe, fe, yeah, Nigerian act and he started Movement of the People, um, political movement and he was a very political musician, very politically active and, you know, he... They killed his mom. <laughs> and so that's quite intense, you know, and it is intense, but politicians they know the political landscape and they navigate that accordingly and as an artist it's i mean i'm um um, um you getting your mom killed is an it's, it's hyperbole right it's quite an intense thing but i'm what i'm trying to indicate is that you 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 you're an act and an artist and you have this platform and this platform you you choose to use it a particular way and that's fine and that could just be your role in this whole thing and that could that could serve as a catalyst to a bigger debate and 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 also it serves as normalizing the the discussion or the issue right and making it okay let's talk about we're talking about this now is 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 that part of the national dialogue yeah and that for me could be enough and also you must remember there are people who are who are devoted to whatever cause it is and they're active towards that cause. And if you're speaking about this on stage, you are helping them out as well by enlightening people a little bit and making them laugh and, and making them aware of the issue. You don't necessarily yourself have to be involved in the in the hands-onness of the thing. You know what I mean? It's like if if a football if a footballer um is is having a game uh, is a football game and he has is wearing a t-shirt that scores a goal lifts up his t-shirt and says i don't know he says um free palestine whatever the case is right he's making his political statement and 400 people 400 of oh, 2 million 20 million people in the world are like okay cool that's right but there are people actively fighting that cause that act of lifting that t-shirt could mobilize people to to rally towards that cause that's a really good answer thank you um one of the uh, reviews that i read of your um <laughs> yeah i do my research <laughs> no, I, i've had some shitty reviews <laughs> no 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 this is not a negative review um someone said i don't know i can't attest as whether this is true politicians treat him like a rock star back home yeah yeah yeah, yeah? i think they like me because i was fair right I was really fair. Like, I would dissect the issue. So I wouldn't go at them per se. I would make fun of them relative to the issue at hand. So whereas a lot of people would dig up dirt. First of all, what we didn't do, we didn't dig up dirt on the person. We, were, we only reacted on the news. So we would invite these guys and we would roast them and, and, and dissect them. And, but at the end of the day, I think they always felt that we were fair. 
and we didn't and also we've never really aligned ourselves with any political movement or we've never left or right we were just always like these guys are the and so our commentary never felt one-sided so every time uh, i would bump into one of these politicians at the airport they would really be excited i'm like hey man why are you having me over to make fun of me i'm like so yeah they really did they really did that's actually that's actually true I, if I walked into Parliament, I'd be a proper rock star. Back home, be like, no one has ever guy. said that sentence on this podcast. <laughs> I don't think any, anyone has ever said that sentence. Period. <laughs> so when you and I believe it was in the same thing. It was an interesting sentence. He won't say it, but he wants to make it overseas. I do. I do. I mean, yeah, I do. So talk to me about the positioning when you release your Vimeo special. What thought are you or your management putting into the branding of Lawyer Sugola? Who are you trying to say, this is me, this is who I am? Where do you want to be? Where do you want to get to? Oh, man, I, I haven't really overthought that. I think that at the moment, I'm just doing the best stand-up possible, right? So I, at the moment, I, the idea is for everyone who sees me perform, they got to go, that act is good or that act is funny or any reviewer, that, um, they have to go, oh, that, I want to see that guy again, right? So if I can leave that impression with uh, the people that, um, that I perform to, that for me would lead to the next thing. I don't want to think about the next thing too much because the next thing, I believe in this, I, <laughs> this could sound pretentious, but I believe in the synchronicity of life, right? So I, I believe a lot of people might attribute it to the Bible and the Quran and, and just the idea that everything happens for a reason. I genuinely believe it does. I believe there's this, uh, we're spinning on this earth and we're spinning at a very fast pace and we're living on, and everyone is so calm about it. But you, if you just wake people up and be like, you know what's actually fucking going on? We're spinning in the <laughs> universe. You know what I mean? And so at, a, at such a fast speed as well, but you don't feel it. But we are actually spinning. But, and in the spinning of ours, there's all these things that are happening, right? And some, and so what needs to happen is that you need to see the things that are happening, right? So if I said to you, while we're doing a, a podcast, a bird just flew across this room, what would you say? How do you mean? If one did it now? Yeah. I, if I said to you, yeah. we're doing, and I say, a bird just flew across, what would you say? I'm sorry, I don't understand the question. One did fly across, or you're telling me that one flew across? Okay, I'm telling you a bird just flew across. What okay. would you say? What, what, what do you say for the, to that? Sweet. That sounds good. I nope. love birds. But did you see the bird? No. So the bird didn't fly? I understand what you mean. Right? Okay. Is yeah, that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah. So what I'm saying is, just because you didn't see the bird, doesn't mean didn't happen. I thought you meant through the room. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> okay, okay. If through, if, just because you didn't see the bird fly through the room, <laughs> yeah, yeah. doesn't mean... The bird didn't fly through the room. Okay. So what I try to do with my life is try to see the bird fly through the room all the time. And so there's a synchronicity that happens constantly, right? You meeting me, uh, see me at uh, Top Secret, and then da and then yeah. To you, it might be random acts of, but to me, it's a total synchronicity. It's like a, it's happening for a reason. Okay. And that reason could be between me and the universe. But at any given second, there's something special happening and you might not be able to tangibly like touch it at the time, 
But I've had like strange coincidences happen. I'm like, this is not a fucking coincidence. This is the universe conspiring to give me everything I've ever wanted. And so I, I truly believe that shit is happening constantly. And so what needs to happen is that you need to see it. Does that, I mean, that is probably the most optimistic thing anyone has ever said on this show. <laughs> oh, no. Well, I mean, I'm, do you need to make an effort to feel that when you say, I truly believe? Does that just mean like, well, your life is incredible. You're happy all the time. I'm appreciative all the time. I'm not happy all the time. I'm, appreci- I'm appreciative all the time, but I do. It's, 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 it's got to do with actually being in the moment and, and acknowledging the moment. And, and this moment means this particular thing. So, this 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 podcast like let me i'll tell you one thing how long have we been doing this podcast uh hour an hour i've thought of nothing else except this podcast for i'm in the moment of the podcast okay i'm enjoying the podcast i'm enjoying this 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 thing and because it's happening it's the only thing that's important to me right now right i have to go to a bbc um recording in 45 minutes. It takes me about 20 minutes to get home. I'm not worried at all. <laughs> because because I, I've switched off my phone the last text. So I'm like, I need to be here to totally enjoy this and totally operate at my optimum and enjoy this, 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 this entire moment. And that's what's happened. Right. And, and it's, it's the way I try to live my life. It's a very difficult thing to exercise. Is it self-taught or did yeah. someone put you onto this? Is this like a, from a book it is or a, a... No, no, no. It's, it, it's self-taught. Someone mentioned it to me and I did think this is definitely the best way to live life. It's totally the best. Like I, I, there's certain things that ha- and you're like, yeah, I, I, yeah, okay, that's cool. I believe meeting you is a good thing and that could lead to something that's way amazing in the future. You don't know it yet. And, 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 um, it's, it's, it's happening. I'm, 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 I'm in this matrix and I'm, but I'm fully aware of everything and I'm, I'm taking in everything. And I know comics are quite like cynical. They cynical fuckers, man. Comics are just cynics. And I'm just, and I, and I try to, um, impart this idea of like, fuck, you live a great life. No, fuck it. And you're like, nah, you, you, you're good. You, 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 you should be way happier than you actually are. Are you happy? I am. I'd like to think I am. I'd like to really think I am happy. I would, I would tick all the boxes in terms of if you were to define it, I'd be like, yeah, I'm, I'm quite happy. I think that's all. That's it. What would you have engraved on your comedy gravestone? Um, he's enjoying this moment. <laughs> <laughs> So that was Loyasu. Thank you very much to him for coming along. Uh, keep your eyes peeled. Get on his uh, his Twitter and his website and find out exactly how that went down with the uh, with the show, the special that he was going off to record. Didn't he sound confident about it? Isn't that idea of just thinking to yourself, "Yes, everything is great. It's all supposed to be like this, and it's all good." Wouldn't it be great to feel like that? God, would it? Yeah. I mean, obviously he he sort of enjoys it, but can you really? Can you really believe that deep down? Like, I often think it would be great to be religious. I'm not religious. But obviously, if you believed in a God, then surely you just have a better life. You're secure and confident and you know you're going to go to an afterlife or a heaven. And uh, and there's all sorts of fringe benefits to do with, you know, group 
<laughs> I'm trying not to say fringe benefits to do with tambourines because that seems, you know, uh, derisory, and I don't mean it like that. But you know, you get to you get to believe in stuff and hang out with other people who believe the same thing as you. It must be like being a football supporter. I can only imagine. I can only dream. Um, but that was anyway. That was uh, that was the man. And thank you very much to him for coming along. Uh, thank you to Daryl for uploading the show and editing it. Um, thanks to everyone that's been supporting the show recently. I realised. Um, the the amount of people who are doing recurring payments they trickle in a pound here two pounds there five pounds there um, and I had a bit of a count of them recently and saw how many people are doing that and it really I, I, since I asked, started asking for donations on the show a couple of years ago the one-off donations are very kind and if you'd like to make one you can of course do that at comedianscomedian.com with whatever you think is appropriate I mean god we're nearly at 200 shows now so if you want to hit a pound a show I'd get in quick before it breaks the bank and um, some people do do that and thank you very much to them when i started asking for recurring donations much less recently they really there's i mean there's a few of you that do it people do it on patreon.com as well patreon.com forward slash comcom pod um, and they're, they're tiny little amounts and i have to say that most of these things are geared towards people pay a little thing and then they get a special thing and you know the way i do it with this show is everybody gets the thing for free which is the podcast and if you want to pay to say thanks you can do that you don't get anything extra for paying i'm just relying on it for goodwill i just think that some people want to be able to support the show and uh, and so they can so i what i mean to say is i suddenly counted them all the other night and i went oh that's that's quite a few thanks if you're one of the people out there who's paying a pound or two or even more per month, then thank you so much. What will happen now, of course, is that people will listening to this who'd forgotten their payments will go, oh, God, I, I meant to cancel that, and then they'll pull out. And if that's you, then thanks for all the time. <laughs> thanks for the money. I appreciate it. But hopefully uh, more people will, will support the show than decide to stop doing so. That was the world's worst, <laughs> the world's worst busker. Oh, my God. Um, anyway. That's uh, that's all of that. Thank you for supporting the show. And remember, if you don't want to or can't do that financially, uh, instead you can simply share it with a friend and uh, and get more people listening to ComComPod. That can only be a good thing. So do join the Facebook group. Look out for some sort of Facebook Live event in the near future where I ask you guys uh, what you think of the show and any sort of suggestions you have. We're rejudging the music. That's pretty exciting. Yes. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll make sure I do the live thing before we rejudge the music uh, so that it doesn't just become... Uh, a big thing either complaining about the old or indeed the new music that's us for now um thanks daryl thank you to emily crosby who logged this episode for me um and has done much more than that besides and uh thanks to you for listening i always i always say that at the end of a sentence and, and thanks thanks to you <sighs> cringeworthy i just can't help myself i'll chat to you in a bit if you'd like to hang around but for now that concludes the podcast <laughs> So what will I talk to you about now? Hey, why don't I, I get in a, uh, I've got in a bit of a groove. Here's, I told you, didn't I? I told you last week about, um, the dread and about kind of not looking forward to, of course I'm looking forward to doing interviews with people, but that often is masked behind this sort of miasma of, oh God, what if I do it badly or wrong? Um, so we, we talked about that a little bit. I don't know if I, I want to go back into that i've got some belting questions for for minchin tim minchin is uh i mean by now i'll have by now when this goes out i'll have i'll have done him but i've got some i think he, he's such a uh a literate kind of a guy and then maria bamford is just it's going to be very hard not to just be in awe of maria bamford those of you who um 
who asked about uh, who who I asked on the the Concom Facebook group to uh, to you know give me your questions. So many of you just said, "Can you just tell her I love her?" That's brilliant. How lovely to inspire that sort of thing. Um, so I tell you what I've I tell you what I've done today. Uh, is I took the Boutros to Baby Sensory. I don't think I've mentioned that to you before. I've only been twice. This is my second trip. You take a, bu- a bunch of parents, predominantly women, but there was one other dad there. It was quite nice to see another dad. We looked at each other in that sheepish dadding kind of way. And, um, oh, God, I'll tell, you, all right, I'll tell you about dad blanking in a second. <laughs> but anyway, Baby Sensory is uh, you get the babies in a room and there's like a soft thing in front of them and they, they have a theme like the rainforest. They throw some furry spiders out. The babies play with the furry spiders. They play with a leaf. You do sign language based songs, which are really fun and incredibly hooky and earwormy. Um, and uh, and today the theme was France. <laughs> and I just thought, what a great, we're going to give the baby a sensory experience. We're going to pretend they're in France. <laughs> How odd is that? You know, when you like, you know, the weirdness, the, the, the very slight weirdness of being in a foreign country. Like I always remember stepping off the plane in Australia for the first time and going, God, the air smells different here. That that slight or, or the the weirdness of going round a different person's house, being in someone else's kitchen when you're a kid, and going, oh, it's all it's the same, but it's all sort of different. There's um there's something similar, isn't there? About I love the idea that a baby sensory experience would be. We're going to put the babies in France, which is sort of a lot like here, but subtly different. And then the thing of these little babies could pick up on it and go, oh oh yes, I I do feel. I mean, there's, I could do nothing now to make this funny apart from loads of cliches. <laughs> cliches. The one I was thinking was, the babies are like, yes, I'm going to have an affair. Isn't that awful? That's my go-to as a sort of a French stereotype. Oh, dear. Anyway, dad blanking. I mentioned this on Facebook and there was there was outrage, so I, I'll just share this with you quickly before uh, before I leave you to, to zip off and, and play with the boy before nicking off to LA tomorrow um, in, in real time as opposed to the time at which you're listening to this. I was when I was in this happened when I was in the Edinburgh Festival and I had this weekend of looking after the Boutros on my own because my partner flew down uh, to London to go to a friend's wedding and I had this very enjoyable kind of baptism baptism of fire experience looking after the baby just on my own um you know supported friends and so forth were there but um but really kind of like right he's normally on the boob and now it's just milk and if he doesn't want milk out of a bottle he's not eating so let's uh, let's try and make that work very exciting, very empowering. I would really recommend it to any dad. It really made me feel much more like, oh yeah, you you need that that kind of uh, you need to cross the Rubicon, don't you? You need to go right. She isn't here, and I've got to cope for forty eight hours, or in my case, I think it was more like sort of forty. But um, a great experience. On one of the mornings, the first morning I went out with him, I saw another dad, and I dad blanked him. I didn't he. Look, when dads see other dads when we're walking around with babies, we have to give each other a sheepish kind of a, we've got to raise the eyebrows, we've got to do that thing. I was really annoyed about this. I was writing some stand-up about that thing that people do when, you you know what you do with your your mouth when you see someone and you don't quite say hi, you just kind of go, I mean, I can mime it now. Does it make a noise? It, It sounds like this. You know, it's it's that. And then uh, I saw a really good sketch on it. I think it was on Key and Peel. And I was like, nope, damn it, that's been done. Drop that, fine. Um, but you're supposed to at least do that when you see a dad. And I saw this dad and he looked kind of, he looked confident. He looked tougher than me. He's probably a Scottish dad. He looked vigorous. He looked like, you know, a jujitsu kind of a dad. Like I'm a, you know, sort of a 
like he was a sort of physically confident blokey sort of a dad. And I'm there at the Edinburgh Festival in my yellow top and my skinny jeans and my golden trainers, feeling like an absolute, you know, feeling like a tit by comparison. Um, so I saw him and he looked happy enough. And so I didn't raise my eyebrows or say, say hi. And then I walked away feeling awful. But it's not like he looked to me for anything. I thought, I just thought, that guy's sorted. Come on, grow up, Stu. Not every dad is automatically your friend. There's no need to make eye contact with that guy. And then, so, uh, I don't remember exactly what happened. I think I kind of, we made eye contact and I looked away. And almost like, as I looked away, I could feel him nod in my peripheral vision. But by then I'd looked away, so I kept walking. And then I felt terrible about it. I put it on Facebook. I just, I just just blanked a dad and uh, and these are all the all the dads of young children i know on facebook like you are disgusting <laughs> that was priceless and then the next day of course what happened i saw a different dad i nodded at him i got dad blanked instant karma that'll do for now i gotta run i gotta go and pack for la how sweet a sentence is that and i tell you what i can't wait to go but having bloody having designed my life assiduously does that mean sort of deliberately and with detail maybe having designed my life so that a 20 year old version of me can have a brilliant independent exciting time with loads of travel and fun gigs 39 year 33 for showbiz purposes 39 year old stew is uh, is properly going um yeah well 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 done smarty pants <laughs> you know great 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 exciting adventurous life you've got all i really want to do is stay here and rub my face on my baby's tummy anyway that's uh, that's him entering the room now he doesn't realize this is uh, this is the boutros entering i've been recording in his room because it is quite a well soundproof room he's looking at me now before this gets too cute i'm gonna go lots of love uh boutros would you like to say anything to the podcast people <laughs> Thanks, mate. Bye from us. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.